Now that's what I call high quality a tool. I'm Scuba Sam, Scuba Steve's father. We eat the pig and then together we burn. Well, I have a microphone and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Billy Gilmore Podcast, the podcast for the discerning Adam Sandler fan, the pod for the fan of the Sandman. I am your host, Wilson Smith, and joining me as always... Hi, this is Chris Giles. And Austin Colt. And we are so, so happy to be back. It's been way too long since we have uh, recorded together, that we have uh, beamed our our dulcet tones into your ear holes, uh, and we are so excited to be back tonight. Unfortunately, as you might have noticed from your podcast feed, we are not recording our The Wrong Missy episode. Um, as I joked before we started recording, um, that uh, the amount of times we've mentioned that and failed to deliver it, it's more or less like uh, the Chinese democracy of podcasting. Many people are saying this. Um, <laughs> and and we, that is coming, I promise you. And I'll even be so bold as to say that is the next episode we will be releasing. Um, I know we've promised that several times in a row, but... Believe us now. Um, but no, we are here tonight to discuss, um, you know, we've, we've gone off into the into the wilds of the Adam Sandler, the, the Billy Gilmore, uh, or sorry, Happy Madison, larger cinematic universe with Schneider and Spade. And we've got Kevin James and a few others on deck. We watched Grandma's Boy. Uh, but we are back with the main event. We are back. It's so exciting. Not since Murder Mystery 2. Uh, earlier this year, uh, have we gotten this opportunity? Uh, we're revisiting the man himself, uh, the Sandman himself, Adam Sandler, uh, and his new Netflix animated film, Leo, uh, which you know has swept the nation. Uh, you know, been a, a, a huge sensation. Uh, no, it's it's done it's done quite well. Um, it weirdly um, it has it has to have one of the highest Rotten Tomatoes scores of Sandler's career, sitting at eighty one percent. Uh, on tomatoes, it's got seven out of ten on IMDb. Um, the reviews for this, you know, just anecdotally based on my letterbox page, which is a bunch of uh fun hating uh movie snobs, um, almost all of them seem to really like Leo. Um, and so this is a little bit of a it's not an outlier necessarily, but you know, it's sometimes like, say, for example, when we came and sang the praises of Murder Mystery 2 which I think we were very on, on very solid ground doing that. Um, but, you know, that movie was had a more mixed reception from the public at large or from, the, say, the critical uh, consensus on that movie was like, oh, yeah, this is just like one of those Adam Sandler movies. This is just one of those lazy. But interestingly enough, Leo has not fallen into that trap. Um, and it's cool because it is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, co-directed? By Robert Smigel? Is there another director or is it just Smigel? It is co-directed by Robert Smigel with Robert Marionetti and David Watchentime. Watchenheim. Now, I I could have done this research beforehand, but I would assume those other guys have animation backgrounds as opposed to... They do indeed. Um, It looks like this is their first feature. Okay. Well, so... Well, yeah. So that, I mean, that's great. And so obviously Robert Smigel, he's a, you know, longtime member of the Sandler squad. Um, you know, he's been in that whole world in that orbit for so long. Um, you know, we've gotten such memorable roles from him uh, in, you know, on camera in the Sandler movies, like uh, the, uh, <laughs> the guy who's selling uh, his grandma's house in Happy Gilmore. 
um, <laughs> the science teacher in Billy Madison. Or um, so. Yeah, many, many, many more uh, that are that are not coming to me right this second. But he's also the the writer director, or at least co writer director of the week of a movie. Uh, you know, it's a live action Sandler. That's more certainly more for adults. But I know that uh, we all, you know, on this podcast, were great, especially especially relative to its like critical, you know, reception. We were great fans of that film, and um, yeah, really on yeah. board with Robert Smigel as you know taking the reins on some of these projects. So did that continue with Leo? We will find out soon. But first, I think we've got to get into a very brief bit of Sandler news. And this is not even really Sandler. Some of this is not even Sandler news. It's just like Sandler scuttlebutt. It's just like Sandler, what you're hearing through the grapevine of online. Um, and uh, one of those things is that uh, there is some reason to believe, or at least there is some noise out there on the internet to imply that uh, the next Adam Sandler Safdie Brothers film is, if not in serious jeopardy, at least very much on the back burner for all involved um, for various reasons. Um, the strike happening when it did, um, the Sa you know the Safdies being involved in other projects, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so I know that the past couple of episodes that we've done on the show, you know, we're sort of always just like, yeah, like that. That Sandler Safty project, that follow up to Uncut Gems is like, you know, it's got a good head of steam. Like that'll be happening any day now. Um, and now with all the disruption in the world and everything, it seems like that could be in question. But then again, there's nothing concrete out there about that. Um, it is, you know, it's I feel comfortable saying it on the podcast that, you know, word on the street is that it's that it, it, it's in jeopardy. But if tomorrow they give it a green light and they start production in a week, you know. <laughs> whatever hard to say but we hope to see it and is this one of two Safdie brother movies that he would be in not not uncut gems but like are there two post uncut gems that he would be in i believe the one i believe i only know of the one which was supposedly set in specifically rather than the sport memorabilia like space being about basketball i believe that sandler indicated in an interview that it would have been about like they needed to film at some mlb games um which they were not able to do um this year you know due to striking and or at least some of the games so um yeah i don't know i mean it's like sandler's you know sandler still has like you know he, he's certainly got projects lined up like it's not like he you know <laughs> it's not like if this doesn't happen like what's he gonna do it's just like oh like of course we want to see him reunite with uh you know the guys who made uncut gems and really relaunched his uh his whole image uh you know as much as we tried to do that before the movie came out you know we got a big boost from uh <laughs> the many million dollar grossing film uncut gems um so yeah so that's uh so that's <laughs> possibly on the back burner but chris why don't you tell the people the other announcement, uh, not Safdie, but another uh, prestige director that the Sandman has worked with, who an uh, interesting announcement just came out. Yeah, and this is recent, as in like only the last week or two, but it was announced that Sandler will be teaming up um, with Noah Baumbach once again. Um um, and we all know that, you know, we all, we all remember Sandler <clears throat> um, co-starring in the Meyerowitz stories written, directed by Noah Baumbach, um, you know, co-starring alongside Dustin Hoffman and, um, and Ben Stiller. I think all three of us were 
pretty fond of that film as well, and Sandler does great work in it. So the news that Sandler is doing another Bombach movie is certainly welcome news. Um, also interesting uh, uh, bit along with that news is that apparently it's Sandler and George Clooney who are both signed on for this upcoming untitled Noah Bombach movie. What we do know is that it will be another Netflix film for Bombach. You know, um, uh, in recent years, there was White Noise as well as Meyerwood Stories. Those were all Netflix films. Um, and they're, they're Netflix film. Oh, of course, the marriage story. Yeah, that's right. He's been, yeah, yeah. Bombach's been having a very, you know, productive and fruitful relationship with uh, under the under the uh, under the Netflix banner. As and as I recall too, all of those films, albeit maybe probably like limited and briefly, all had theatrical windows too. I think. I think. Yes, they. Um. So I know that uh, White Noise. Yeah, no, because I saw Marriage Story at the Violet Crown. So Marriage Story had the most extensive theatrical release. Um, mm -hmm. I know Meyerowitz stories played in some locations, thanks to a friend of the pod, former guest Jake Isgar. I remember him telling me at the time, like, oh, like these theaters got it, and these other ones didn't. And he's, you know, right. he's got distribution space. Um, White Noise... I want to say Austin Film Society here in town played played mm -hmm. for about a week, the same way they did for May December, which also didn't get a recent Netflix film by a beloved auteur that did not get a, a very wide theatrical berth. Um, so yeah, um, but no, Bombach. You're right, Chris. I think that Bombach, like just like just looking at that, like the output that he's had since. Signing he's that been, Netflix deal, he's he's, yeah. he's got one of the best, uh, most fruitful relationships with Netflix because you have someone like Bong Joon Ho who did a one off with Netflix, and I think that yes. movie is very very good and wouldn't have been made by another studio, but like you know he found other opportunities elsewhere, and mm -hmm. then you have like you know these people who sort of like strike out with their big Netflix like projects, but like Bombach, you know. I know White Noise was sort of uh, had a mixed reception, but then again, if you've seen White Noise, the idea that it was made at all, at all, is like a real miracle. Like, it's insane. That, that, it, that it was made at all and that for at least like a weekend, it was, you know, like on the, like it was the the homepage for like like for like a better phrasing like the homepage movie there on Netflix so you know people at least turned it on to see what it was about yeah. um and yeah so like Bombach has been you know just like a string of you know pretty well received movies with Netflix and you know just speaking to to just only to myself I think these are all very very good movies that he's done obviously Sandler is I think quite tremendous and Meyerwood stories that's really lovely heartbreaking and funny work um, I'm stoked to see him working with Bombuck again. I think working with Clooney, including working with Bombuck, Clooney working with Sandler, that is very exciting to me as well. I've been a fan of Clooney going back to the ER days. Um, you know, I think he's a fine actor and movie star and sometimes director. I think, you know, his his acting and directing credits can be spotty, but I, you know, I'm never not happy to see him. Um and you know, too, and just and just also, just by the way, just in thinking of Noah Baumbach and you know recent Netflix successes, he's also coming off of a very, very, very successful year. He co-wrote the biggest movie of the year. You know, we think of Barbie as Greta Gerwig's movie, and we should, but he's 
that he wrote it with her, which is which is great. And so, you know, this is uh this is this is some like high wattage Hollywood A list like this news of Bombach Sandler and Clooney. And I want to, I do want to just as a little thought experiment or a little like, you know, just a, an, an appreciation. Um, if any of you out there listening to this, maybe all of you are, who knows, but if you're around our age, meaning you were following Sandler during the, the mid aughts, um, late nineties, mid aughts, you know, in, in that time period in 2004, five or six, really any time since then too. But like, if you had said Adam Sandler is going to be in a movie with George Clooney People would have thought it was like the worst Saturday Night Live joke they ever heard. Like people yeah. would have like just get like rolled their eyes and been like, that's so dumb. And so the fact that this has not even really be, been seen as like, I mean, we're talking about it because this is our purview, but it's like this, has, it's, it wasn't even like acknowledged. It's like, oh yeah, like it's going to be a Noah Baumbach movie. It'll be George Clooney and Sandler and like whatever. And it's like, mm-hmm. I get, we're, we're past, we're well past the point now, it seems where the general audience or critics or Hollywood establishment is like, Adam Sandler can act. Right. Right. Like like the only one, uh, yeah. Like, like people still going to that line or like rightfully laughed out of the room. When I first saw the news broke, I said somewhat cheekily, but also kind of meant it like, Oh, that's, that that's really cool. And you know what? Good for George. He could use a win. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, so yeah, I think it's great. And as of right now, we don't know much about this Bombach project. We know it's going to be a Netflix thing. I read a little newswire here that as of like that, like it's apparently an adult coming of age movie. So it wouldn't surprise me if perhaps going from that and Bombach, if it's maybe in the same vein or a similar vein to let's say Meyerowitz or maybe even um, uh, while we're young. Oh, sure. The movie, Yeah. With uh, Stiller and Emmy Watts and Adam driver. Yeah. Um, so We'll see how that comes together, but I think that is something exciting to look out for. Um, what's the latest with um, Spaceman? That kind of dis- disappeared uh, for a long time. There's not been any news about that. So I would presume, unless it's like unreleasable, I have to assume that comes out in 2024. Like, even, even if they don't think it's good, it's like, well, they'll just like, they'll put it out. Like, they're obligated to put it out. Like, Netflix has not, as far as we know, Netflix has not yet done the, and I, and I don't mean to be throwing shit. I don't know anything about the movie other than it's been delayed several times and we haven't seen anything from it, but like Netflix has not yet done the HBO Warner Brothers, HBO Max Warner Brothers thing of just canning a movie before anyone can see it to get a tax write off. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was about to give them praise for that, but that seems insane to give a, a movie studio praise for not doing the shittiest thing a movie studio can do. Um, but no, Spaceman, we have not heard much about it in a couple of months. Uh, Austin, have, do you do you recall the last time we heard anything about Spaceman? Uh, well, it got delayed during the SAG strike because, um, I mean, it is such a high-profile actor movie. Like, because you have Carrie Mulligan, Paul Dano, Adam Sandler. I mean... Uh- it could have just gone onto Netflix and been fine, but I'm sure they're gaining, like, going for awards and whatnot. So, and it's like Mulligan is occupied this year with uh, Maestro. Oh, she's busy. Yeah, she's got Maestro and her small, very funny cameo in uh, Saltburn. <laughs> um, she's not getting nominated. Oh, I didn't realize she was in it. Yeah, she uh, she genuinely like. <laughs> 
she her character being in the movie might be the best indication that that I have that movie correct, which is that like, oh, don't take any of this bullshit seriously. It's very stupid. Like okay. Uh, but no, um, no, she's 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 great. Obviously, can't wait to see her in Space Man. But no, we have not heard anything about that project in in a minute. Um, so hopefully, you know, hopefully we'll get some new uh, some new news in twenty twenty four. Um, I said earlier. Sorry, I, I just have to uh, correct myself. I said earlier that like, wow, we haven't done this since Murder Mystery two. We did Bat Mitzvah, which was a great movie. You are so not invited to my Bat Mitzvah, and I. That is technically, yes, that is like Adam Sandler is in that movie. And the reason I forgot about it is because like, obviously he's a sporting performance, which is not usual for him. But I didn't want to overlook that movie. We all really loved that movie. No disrespect intended. <laughs> and busy year, busy year for Sandler. I mean, even if he had had Sandman, like, or not Space, Space Man, like he would have been split between like four different projects. Yeah. Voting. I mean, he would have been on- Sorry, Austin. Go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna. He would have been on so many like late night shows more than already is. Yeah, and just so Leo and Bat Mitzvah. I'm sorry. Was Murder Mystery two this year too? It was. It's on my 2023 list of rankings. Oh, uh, yeah. that's rad. It was in fun, 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 fun. I showed. I showed my mother. I was, you know, recently for. Uh, I don't, you know, I'll be working over Christmas, unfortunately. But I went home and visited my mother in Alabama. And my mother, as I've mentioned multiple times on this show, um, is a huge ride or die Adam Sandler fan. Um, she loves Just Go With It in particular. And it was a delight to introduce her to the fact that Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston have been in other movies together. Um, and so we watched uh, we watched Murder Mystery 2 and she thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and also shifting the subject just a little bit over to that. But <laughs> I showed my mother Jack and Jill. And claims. <laughs> I sent her a copy years ago, and she claims that she watched it. But watching it with me in the room, she didn't remember anything that was happening. Uh, and at the end of it, she loved it. And she said, she said, Jill's such a sweet lady. Why are they mean to her? <laughs> <laughs> which is... Which is which is the right takeaway from that film. That's sweet. <laughs> you know, my mother has, you know, me and my sister, she has boy-girl, you know, twins. So yeah. you know, it sort of hits her that way. And the emotional climax of Jack and Jill is about, like, their mother not being there anymore. And it's all, like, whatever. So, you know, it, it, it affected us. But um, I guess what I'm trying to say is we're all really excited that Spaceman and Jack and Jill is still very good. Mm -hmm. Ever watch Jack and Jill in 2023? This it's a it's a it's a multi-holiday movie as we have discussed. You know you you know we missed Thanksgiving and the beginning of Hanukkah, which was the day I watched it. Um, but you know you can still watch it for Christmas or for New Year's. You know you got time. You know share it with your loved ones. <laughs> uh, what else? Um, oh well, we mentioned this last time, and things have only gotten you know much worse. And I don't want to spend too much time on this, but. Uh, Almost near miss member of the Sandler squad, Rudy Giuliani, um, has been found liable for hundreds of millions of dollars in defamation uh, for lying, just blat blatantly lying, uh, you know, about people in order to overturn an election. So um, weirdly enough, I mean, we just discussed Jack and Jill, which has a cameo from pre-transition Caitlyn Jenner. Uh, but it seems fairly clear, and and Jared Fogle. Um, but it seems fairly clear that uh, Rudy Giuliani's cameo at the end of Anger Management is the cringiest cameo in all of the Sandler filmography. And I don't really think it's a contest anymore. 
Yeah, it's uh, like uh, I'm trying to think of another. I was what the, what that reminded me of, or at least the connection I made was like towards the end of Dodgeball. There's that extended cameo from Lance Armstrong. Oh yeah, and it's like post Armstrong, you know, multi-tiered victory, champion of the world, cancer survivor, Tour de France winner. You know, just all around American hero, and you know, some time before his fall from grace. So you watch it now, and you're like, "Oh wow, this uh, this uh, this kind of makes you want to, you know, like run away, like run, like run out of the room." Um, yeah, you know, like there's a whole there's a whole era of like immediately post 9/11 media that if Julia if Giuliani's mentioned, he's mentioned as like a he's like referred to as like a deity <laughs> almost. Um, like, yeah. and look at him now, man. It's weird. I mean, everyone like, and like, as I've seen a lot of political commentators and stuff say, and I think this plays into what we're talking about with like his cameo in the April 2020, sorry, the April 2003 release of he Anger He could have Man. just rested on those laurels. Yes, he could have. If he had just retired right there and never done another thing in politics, he would. there would be streets and buildings named after him, and he would be known, thought of as a legend. Uh, but he had to attach himself to this uh, person whose name I will not mention on this podcast. Uh, but uh, he, had to he had to attach himself to the worst social movement movement in American history and now it's become his whole identity and it's almost like some people could have warned him that that would happen um but anyways Adam Sandler innocent for that fuck Rudy Giuliani fuck that one scene in anger management where they're like you're the best man in the world or whatever there are two distinct like moments in set and Sandler's filmography that like feel really strongly explicitly like, Oh, this feels super post nine 11. One of them is the Giuliani thing and anger management. The other one is in Mr. Deeds when like he's first flying into New York and there's like hey NYPD or, or, or like, or like New York fire department, our best and bravest. Good for you fellas. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's like, it's like, it's a, it's a sweet moment. And I, and I, and like, I don't cringe when I watch it. It's fine. But that, that feels very much like of a 2002 kind of moment. But I am much happier with the Mr. Deeds bit and the Giuliani thing is just, you know, I mean, like that's not Sandler's fault. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just a wild relic of a different time now. If I, if I remember correctly, there's also like you don't see his mouth moving. So it's like it was probably an ADR thing. But there's in Mr. Deeds. Like when he like trips over a trash can or something as he's like skipping another, he's like, New York City is the greatest city in the world. Which like <laughs> you know, he could have said that he could have said that in Big Daddy or Little Nicky or anything like that. Like I, I think Sandler has always repped New York City, but um, sure. um although you know that's interesting. Maybe maybe in the future, in future episodes, we might bring this up more. But it is the the I don't know how how much we talked about at the time the shift between New York films and LA films, because you watch something like you watch something like that's my boy or Jack and Jill or like, and it's like, Oh, like, well, it's takes place in sunny, like open spaces and all that stuff. And like, anyways, I don't mean to get too far afield, but that's just something I was just like, Oh, well, like, you know, there, there's like outside of happy, you know, obviously like happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, Waterboy, whatever, but like big daddy, Mr. Deeds, anger management. Like they're all kind of like big city movies. There's a shift that occurs maybe around the time of click when like Sandler stopped trying to disguise the fact that he was, you know, one of the, you know, one of the 
biggest Although, money makers in Hollywood. <laughs> he does go back. He does go back for uh, Chuck and Larry. Chuck and Larry is set in New York. And the Spider-Man's uh, Zohan. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Zohan. Um, yeah, <laughs> Zohan, a movie that uh, we won't. We don't need to talk about Zohan at all right now. But just let's just say a movie that has like gained uh, insanely new significance uh, in the in the past since the last time we recorded. Um, I don't know how we would talk about that movie if we were recording it today. I still love it. It's just like, <laughs> if anything, Wilson, I think more people ought to be watching that now. That's true. They need to. They need to learn uh, that the real enemy isn't Israelis or Palestinians. It's uh, Dave Matthews. Um, <laughs> That's, anyway. I'm, I'm. I'm glad you did that, Wilson. Because as soon as I said it, I wanted to cut to us. Just like, just take that shit out. I, 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 don't, I don't need it. But no, yeah, it's great movie. Um, yeah. But... <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah. I believe said our said our piece on uh you know we've talked about the Sandler news the Sandler updates um so I think we should just like dive right into the uh, the the lizard meat of this podcast which is uh we're going to be discussing Leo as mentioned uh, co-directed by Robert Smigel uh 2023 came out over Thanksgiving break um was the number one on film on Netflix for uh you know a little bit there um and definitely as mentioned earlier seems to have gotten a pretty rosy reception from the uh you know, the public at large. And, you know, we're, we're dealing with, so animated Sandler. Now, obviously he's a, he's a, a, a creature in this. It's not like a human being, but um, you know, we've got, have some experience here. We've got eight crazy nights, um, a movie that as a completist, I recently purchased on Blu-ray and, and I hate, and I was like grinding my teeth the whole time I did it. Um, we got eight crazy nights, and we've got the three Hotel Transylvania films that Sandler himself is in. He is, you know, we might have mentioned before, he is not in Hotel Transylvania 4. Um, are there are there any other a- animated Sandler things that I'm forgetting? That's that's it, right? Yeah, yeah that's it. Um, yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I would remember another one. Um and so, and so, yeah, you know, like we heard, you heard about this movie, like we mentioned earlier, like, oh yeah, like Leo, like, you know, that, that sounds cool. Um, so one thing, so the, the movie, Leo, Adam Sandler plays the titular Leo, Leonardo, um, and he lives in a terrarium or like a little tank in a, uh, what's the grade? Is it fourth grade? Fifth, fifth grade. grade. Fifth grade. Fifth grade. Fifth grade classroom. Uh, and he lives with a turtle who is named Squirtle, uh, played by Bill Burr. Um, and you know the the movie begins, and it's just like oh, like all these like all these kids come into the fifth grade classroom, and uh, Adam Sandler and uh, Bill Burr like they're you know they've just seen it all. They've been around for so so long. Um, and the, the 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 basic premise of the movie before we like you know really start going a little bit granular here, the basic premise of it is that. Sandler realizes how he thinks he realizes that iguanas uh, only live to 75 years old. And when he thinks back on his lifespan, it's like, wait, I'm, I'm like 74. Um, and so he realizes like, I've never really lived my life. And so because this movie is set in Florida, the, the classrooms in Florida, um, he wants to go live in the Everglades. Um, and so his plot is to, uh, when one of the students has to take him home for their like assignment of like caring for the class pet, uh, he's going to escape. Um, but what winds up happening 
is that he ends up uh, befriending these kids and uh, basically helping them with their lives and helping them to adjust to the trials and tribulations of being in middle school and uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so that's that's the basic, you know, that, that, that sort of gets you going with like what the movie is. Um, I will say the movie starts off and right off the bat, I hate to start it on a negative note because I did like this movie. Spoiler alert. I don't like any of the songs in this movie. Um, so, well, let me backtrack real quick. This is a musical. Leo is a musical. Yes. <laughs> yes, um, um, as was a crazy night, which is, you know, um, you know, that's probably at, still at the bottom of my list A crazy nights, but it's yeah. notable. It's notable to make, you know, to, 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 to point out that these are musicals and obviously Sandler's a, fine musician himself so i think that's always a good time um and, you know and and like there's a musical sequence in billy madison you know famously but so like it's rare that his projects are in this mode correct me if i'm wrong i don't think there's any music like like song and dance numbers in the in the uh, hotel transylvanias does he do um, original music wise in 51st dates um Forgetful Lucy oh, sure. has got a nice caboose. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like uh, the the song from the Wedding Singer, like right. Um, yeah, but um, but point yeah. is, it's rare. It's, it's rare. Um, I, I mean, yes, like this isn't like the strongest roster of songs. I enjoy the one that he's singing to the girl. Um. Well, I guess it wasn't that good of a song if I'm already forgetting it. <laughs> but, um, um, when he's talking to the girl who's like, like the book nerd type, um, like oh, like basically, tell, like it, it's kind of a mean song. He's singing to the girl to like not cry and to like buck up, basically. Like everyone has problems, deal with it. But I remember thinking that sequence was cute. Sandler is very much doing a voice. This is a voice Sandler movie and his, it's an iguana, but he's doing like, you know, like a kindly old Jewish grandpa basically. So him in that mode of voice singing songs, I can't not find charming and winning, even if the songs themselves are, you know, so, so, but this movie's energy with like the songs as well as like the, like, so like the, the characters breaking out in the songs as well as the songs you hear like on the soundtrack. It reminds me a bit of like Bob's burgers. That's very fair. That's a good comparison. Um, I do. I do love Sandler's voice in this movie, both singing yes. and speaking. I think it's a very good voice on his part and it's not just his voice. He is doing a voice. Um, and so I think that's very funny. And yeah, I think that his portions of these songs he knows because he's so talented musically like he knows how to like rise to like the level and it feels a little bit like the rest of the cast is like they all feel like everything else feels like it's sung by amateurs everything feels like a little bit like uh i don't know i i, I don't need to be too harsh on it but like as someone who loves musicals like i love musical numbers in movies just in general um yeah for there to not be one song that was catchy or set my toes tapping or made me think like, wow, like that aspect, you know, thankfully it's not a deal breaker. It's just that like, oh, like I didn't like for this to be such a major part of this movie. 
uh, or at least at the beginning, especially, you kind of you kind of get the impression they front load it with a bunch of songs, and it feels a little bit like oh no, like you know, it's going to be like omnipresent. And then like, there's enough downtime where they're not singing that it was like fine for me. But, um, um, but yeah, so uh, let's see there. So I'm trying to remember, <laughs> this, is, this is a very slight movie, which is good. It's made for children. It's very, um, it's very episodic in a way that I appreciated. I actually liked that it was like, Oh, like it's just like him going to this house and him going to this house and him going to this house. And like, you know, everyone's got a different problem and he's got a, so it helps solve the problem. Like, and, and I enjoyed how at a certain like we spend time, extended time with him first going home with the girl who talks a lot, kind of like nervously and anxiously to the point where she's kind of unintentionally harming herself socially. Like the other kids find her annoying because she's, you know, always chattering away and talking about herself. And so Leo's helping her, you know, like, oh, like, like, like it's okay to, 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 to share, but you should ask people questions about themselves and that way you'll feel more relaxed and you'll, you know, blah, blah, blah. So there's that. There's the very overprotected boy that he goes home with, like with like kind of like the helicopter parents. And correct me if I'm wrong, after that, he's like, he's back in the terrarium with Bill Burr as Squirtle. And like, it kind of becomes this very extended montage of him. Like, well, then yes. I went to this kid's house and this kid's house. It's like the movie kind of gets bored with like the structure and decides to like move it, move it on a little bit, which I thought was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get the point. And it's like, <laughs> it speeds along. It doesn't wear out. It's welcome. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. um I think, th but I I find just that 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 general setup and and like structure to be you know fun and charming. Um, I have our cast list here real quick. Bear with me. Um, the first the first student, the first girl that Leo goes home uh, with uh, the chatterbox. Uh, the character's name is Summer, and that is voiced by Sunny Sandler. Sunny. Sorry, go ahead. What? Movies, two movies in 2023 for them. Good for them. Yeah, yeah. And um and Sadie is voicing um let's see, Jada. Um, and I'm already getting the kids' names mixed up. But yeah, both both Sandler daughters are voicing students in the classroom. And um and Jackie Sandler is there. As one of the moms, I think I think Austin, there's a mom who's always taking selfies, kind of awkwardly and aggressively. I believe that's the character that Jackie Sandler is voicing, which tracks because it seems like she's animated in a way to look like Jackie, which I thought was a fun touch. Yeah. Um, are you a, are you a Bill Burr fan at all? I you know I like am not super familiar with Bill Burr. Uh, mm -hmm. I think the the furthest I've gone with Bill Burr was this, or whenever he hosted SNL. Yeah, uh, I just remember his like his intro was definitely like like something that was you know more the comedian style. Or whenever I feel like a comedian intros, they do a, a set, and it's often like yeah. pushing more the boundaries rather than just like I'm Adam Driver, I'm playing piano and just talking. <laughs> right, right. Pushy, a push a pushy set for like a. NBC thing, but now sure, I, sure, yeah. them, I would like to. Uh, what about y'all? 
I, I I've been following for him for a few years now, um, and I am like I am a fan. Um, actually, like my my like big qualm with the movie, and and it's minor because I enjoyed this movie, but like when the project was first announced, like oh, it's called Leo, it's animated, and Sandler's voicing a classic iguana, and his buddy is a turtle voiced by Bill Burr. I'm like, oh, that'll be fun. Sandler and Burr. And Burr doesn't make much of an impression in this movie. Like, either as Squirtle, the, like, 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 like the Squirtle turtle character, nor does Burr's voice work really, really hit. It feels like Burr's actually kind of toning himself down a bit. Um, he, you know, he kind of has like a, you know, sort of a famous abrasive sort of Boston kind of in your face style um, that, that can be grating um, at times, but I think when he deploys it well, it's very funny. Um, so I am a fan of Burr, you know, and he has by this point, a smattering of specials you can watch on Netflix if you feel so inclined, but um, uh, was kind of let down by the lack of a presence. I feel like he had as, as Squirtle the turtle. <laughs> it's know, difficult he, to say that. <laughs> he had like, um, he had the one, there was a moment towards the end where spoiler alert, Squirtle ends up in the Everglades looking for Leo. Mm -hmm. um, and he says to the other an assorted animals there, he's like, have you seen my friend? And he's describing him. And at one point he says, wicked ugly. And I was just like, there's Bill Burr. Like, There's that Boston son of a bitch. Um, yeah. Um, my my relationship with the work of Bill Burr, um, I feel like I've seen one or two of his comedy specials, and I think I, I thought they were pretty good overall. Um, I really don't. I really don't love the movie, uh, the King of Staten Island. The oh, the I missed that. Davidson movie but he in that movie is genuinely great like he if that movie had been about him and Marissa Tomei mm. I think I would have liked it 10 times more um and Burr gives a genuinely funny and dramatic performance in that um I also happen to remember this is neither here nor there really but I happen to remember during the COVID pandemic Bill Burr who has like some cachet with like, you know, he's not just like, he's not seen as like a woke comedian or anything. Bill Burr going on Joe Rogan's podcast. I remember this. I and remember Joe this. Rogan like calling him like a slur basically for wearing a mask and Bill Burr just being like, oh, so you're fucking smarter than the doctors. Like I just do what my doctor tells me. Like, like I don't know, like I'm, I'm butchering it, but like he basically- yeah. Like fuck you, like like yeah. I'm doing. What you think you're cool with your fucking cigar? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was like, and it was so good, and it was such a like, oh, just like him without obviously because I think he and Joe Rogan probably consider each other like they're probably friendly with each other, but it's just like taking the piss out of this guy who's just bloviating yeah. like in this moment, and it's like, oh, like I always respected Bill Burr for just being like, fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, yeah, uh, yeah. Like to be very reductive, uh, like Bill Burr like has the voice and like delivery and personality and even some opinions of like what you would stereotypically think of like a right wing, like Bostonian, but with the intelligence, empathy and like imagination and like, you know, like, like money level and demographics of like an LA liberal. So like, and like, 
his comedy comes from the sometimes awkward meshing of those worlds. Um, so like, so, so like, you know, like he'll have bits about wanting to, you know, hike and like, and like meditate while he's like bone deep wants to like kick, like kick his own ass for like indulging in such and such pussy behavior. So it's, it was so satisfying watching that appearance on Rogan because like, he he is not the type to have to like go on a Rogan show and like automatically have like his like his Duke stuff. Like he, Burr is the type of guy who would probably roll his eyes at people who act like Rogan is evil or capable of evil or like a bad influence on the culture. And then to have him go on there and to be like, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> yeah. Was a hoot. Um in any case, um I am a fan. Um, I wish he got, I guess, more to do in Leo. Um, I hope he, get, he gets to work with Sandler again. That'd be fun. Um, yeah, I'll give a quick shout out. Just in, just in talking about the voice, the voice work here, I was very tickled and amused and had like a good laugh with um, our brief appearance from our old buddy Nick Swardston as a Cinnabon the bunny. He yeah. was in second grade, and because he's the second grade pet, he knows about addition and and and, and subtraction. <laughs> uh, that's how he that's how uh leo and squirtle they like pull the fire alarm and they learn and so like they all get taken outside and they're like in a little like powwow with the other pets from the other classes um and that's how they learn like oh like that's how many years you are and like that's like how many years you can expect to live but yeah nick swartzen is cinnabon who's just like oh yeah like I hate like well, I can't remember, but he's like I hate all these other names. Like like Cinnabon's fine, but like I hate it when they name me this or that or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Um, Nick Swartzen was one of the. There were a very few. So the, obviously the voice cast has plenty of Sandler Squad members, but um, Swartzen was one of the only ones that I clocked just without looking it up. I was like, that's Nick Swartzen. I can hear Nick. Yes. Swartzen in this in this character um the other one and god i'm blanking on her name now um but the overprotective mom who's on saturday night live um is it heidi um, um heidi yes um Grace. i clocked her too she has a distinctive voice um yes, because, i'm gonna try because to find the, it here because the person, heidi gardner yes heidi gardner i clocked her and i was shocked to learn that the the per the voice actor playing the substitute teacher was Cecily Strong. That was surprising for me too. Because like, like not for a second. If you'd given me a hundred guesses, I would not have guessed Cecily Strong. Um, I like her a lot. She's very good on Saturday Night Live. She was very good on Schmigadoon, a show on Apple TV that very few people watched. Um, <laughs> no, yeah. So, but yeah, the Nick Swartzen was great. And and but speaking of people giving performances where it's like, wait, who was that? Rob Schneider doing the principal? Yeah, yeah. I I, I did a double take when there's I went no on that too. There's no, there's no yep. accent or craziness. It's literally the straightest role that Rob Schneider has ever played in a movie. Um, and like, I, it, it's just, you know, <laughs> I don't know where, I don't know where the point reaches where like I'm, more annoyed at having to see Rob Schneider than I am impressed by Sandler's continued support of his friends. Like there's a weird like diagram there where I'm just like, or like a, an equation there where it's like, well, at a certain point, the amount that I'm annoyed by Rob Schneider will be, will out, out 
weigh, <laughs> people outweigh the fact that I think like, you know, like he might've gone off the deep end, but Sandler's a good pal. Like he's a good friend. He'll put him in his movies, like whatever. And it's like, at some point, I think we're going to cross that threshold. I'm not quite there yet, but. <laughs> Was it Sandler that promoted Daddy Day Trip or whatever the. I think he, yeah, he said, yeah, uh, he was like, oh, like, he said he, he said he could do it, and he did it, like, you know, he said he could write and direct a movie, and he did it himself, like, way to go, but, like, it's not like, I mean, even though Jackie Sandler is in that movie as an actress, it's not like, I don't think Sandler's a producer or anything on it, it's not like he, like, Mm -hmm. it's not like he's, like, financial compensation from that movie. Yeah, like, I, you know, it's been a common line for Sandler's whole cinematic <clears throat> cinematic universe going back to you know especially like the grown-ups movies where you know, it's like oh there's sandler propping up all of his like c-list comedy friends and blah, blah blah or at least like his comedy friends who have seen way better days and like the only like work they're getting is the fact that sandler keeps putting them in his movies which is you know a overblown thing that gets brought up too much by like lady like lazy critics and it's a condescending thing to say like yeah sure kevin james is showing up in the grown-ups movies and he'll be halloween but it's like kevin james i'm sure is doing just fine like on you know like doing stand-up or whatever um having said that like i've been thinking about schneider recently so like somewhere in between us seeing sandler altogether live in austin where Schneider opened and it was pretty dire. Um, not because he was saying like offensive kind of right-wing jokes that might ruffle feathers. That wasn't the issue. The issue was that it was, that it was shitty. And it didn't look well, like, yeah, there was a, I don't know if that's like me, like bringing like some pre preconceived notions to it, but it was like, I don't know. Like you're not when you're when you're spouting talking points the way that he was. You're not exactly full of the light, the, the light, life and love of the universe. You know, he's just like out there, like oh, you know, like Supreme Court can't say what a woman is, but a woman is someone who won't let you watch the big game. Like it's like, man, like yeah, you okay? <laughs> yeah, it was like this isn't offensive because you're making trans jokes. This is offensive because you're a comedian and this is shitty comedy. Um, yeah. That's just not um, the I, I could laugh there. Look, I will even go so far as to say there are probably, I, I hate, I hate to say this, but like there are probably <laughs> jokes that could be considered transphobic. Cause I think as structured as jokes probably are funny. Like, but like, there's not like, like, like the way that any offensive joke can be funny in a shocking way, but it's like Rob Schneider wasn't doing that. It was just like, like he wasn't doing anything that was like, had any merit. It was just like, it just felt like he was reading off a list of grievances. Yeah, it like it it felt like your uncle at the barbecue like like saying quasi offensive things and then like elbowing you like hey ain't I a stinker? Anyways, in between that, which wasn't a great showing for our old pal Schneider, and then Sandler, you know, giving him a little shout out on his Instagram, being like, Hey, he did it, like uh good for good for Rob. That was like a definite thought that I had was like, Oh, you are kind of propping him up. Like, like you're going out of your way to do that, to be a pal. Like Chris rock, I'm sure appreciates, you know, being in grownups or whatever. Cause like, that's, I'm sure good money and exposure, but Chris rock doesn't need to do that. But like starting to think that maybe Schneider needs this. Oh, I think he definitely needs it. 
I think like Sandler is just being very magnanimous and being like, sure, I'll tweet about or I'll post on Instagram about your movie. Like, why not? Um, you're my pal. Like, I don't, that doesn't mean I have to endorse any of the crazy things you say or believe. But um, anyways, Rob Schneider's in this movie. Um, this is a lot of Sandler squad members. Um, Jackie Sandler, both of their children. Uh, Smigel himself. I know he's several voices, but I know Smigel is most memorably the uh, miniature pony at the uh, the petting zoo. <laughs> and I really liked all that stuff. I really liked all the, you know, I'm vegan, so like, the, you know, that's that's sort of a thing. But like, I I did really like all the like weird like quasi animal liberation stuff. <laughs> like the bit where all where all the like they get let loose at the party, I think is very funny. Like the entire petting zoo. So one of the kids who Leo goes home with to counsel is kind of a rich, spoiled girl. And his lesson to her is teaching her uh, to acknowledge that both she and her family aren't any better than anyone else, um, which is a fine a fine message. Um, but I did, again, I really enjoyed uh, the miniature horse, you know, getting being, being mad at people talking about his stubby legs. Um, and then when they all get unleashed and it becomes like a whole free for all. And I liked when you re-encountered them in the Everglades later and the and the horse, the little miniature horse was like, no one here to say anything about your stubby legs. And it was like, <laughs> no, respect King. Um, <laughs> no. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, he goes, as Chris, as you mentioned, he goes home with the girl who talks too much and kind of, and, and I guess I'll give the movie, I'll even give the movie now that I'm thinking about it a little bit more credit than I think I did when I was watching it, which is like, I'm a, I'm a childless man. I don't have any kids. I certainly don't have any kids of that age. Um, but you know, and it's increasingly more and more, it's hard to re recall back to that time that I was that age of the, of the children in this movie. But I will say that I feel like the movie gives, you know, I feel like so many kids movies are the most, their messages overall are the vaguest, most generic, like believe in yourself or uh, you can do it or whatever. And I kind of appreciate that because of the episodic nature of this and that he gets to go home with different kids with different personalities, he kind of gets to give more specific life advice. And a lot of it I think is actually pretty you know, like, would be pretty helpful. Like, you know, that, like, it's an interesting concept to convey to a kid. Like, oh, like, maybe you are talking too much and hogging too much of the of the, the oxygen in the room. So why don't you ask? Like, I feel like there are adults who learn that in therapy. <laughs> like, and it's just yeah, like, um, like, why don't you ask like, Yeah, and I mean, um, same here. Um, I, don't, I don't have any kids of my own, but I am a teacher um, of fifth graders. Um oh, okay. And at a and at a Montessori school too, by the way, um, and like um, that kind of puts a premium on talking through thoughts and feelings and meeting kids where they are, and so I appreciated that too. Like, um, you know, there's any number of ways that an animated film, you know, with comedic voices geared towards family viewing could like raz a character who talks too much but framing as like you know you're missing an opportunity to like connect with people it's you know like it's normal to be nervous and to and to like overshare but you're not letting folks get a word in and you'll make more friends if you ask questions like you know um 
and 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 you know talk and like you know talking to the boy who's like over medicated and like overprotected um and you know which isn't horribly far off from for some of the kids that I see at my school so uh so yeah um I thought that was a fun a fun mix of kids um and the movie doesn't condescend to them so good good on you movie yeah I I also yeah I responded well to that I mean it just having like direct messages much better much much better than uh other kids but I mean, I, I, I don't even know, like, even if you compare it to, like, the Hotel Transylvania, I'm trying to think of, like, the themes and the messages that come out of that. So I think that's I mean, really much. It's like, oh, like, he's got to, like, let his kid be his kid. And, like, she just, like, has to be her. And it's just, like, be yourself. Like, be okay with who you are. Like, it's just very, I don't know. It just, it's very generic. Um, it is. And I think those movies are very fun for what they are. I could see myself one one fine day, like, I don't know, waking up with like a really good flu <laughs> and like just you know, just like sleepily like, you know, yeah. dosed up on medicine and cold medicine, just like watching all the Hotel Transylvanias. Like, I think those are really cute, but they are absolutely happy meals. Um, yeah. yeah, no, for sure. Um, one thing we did not mention that I guess if there's anything important in the plot of Leo, which is not much, but... Uh, one thing we didn't mention is that because the whole conceit is that at least, especially the first couple of times, he's ostensibly trying to escape from these houses, not help kids with their problems. Um, he tells each kid that he encounters that they are the only ones who can hear him. Like he's the only one that, or, or at the very least, they are the only ones that he is talking to. Um, and that becomes sort of the crux of the, now I always, you know, in romantic comedies and in things like this, like formulate things, like I always sort of feel the plot creaking into gear when it's like, oh, hey, that lie that you really didn't have any reason to tell is coming to light. Now we're going to spend 10 minutes where no one likes you. And then we're going to be setting you up with a big, like, and that, that is very much what this movie is. I don't quite no, in the context, having finished the movie, why he needed to tell every kid that they were the only one, other, other than just, like, covering his ass, other than just being like, hey, like, please don't tell anyone else I can talk, because otherwise my cover is blown. Um, <laughs> but then he tells every one of them, and it's just like, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, no, I really like, um, so yeah, the, um, I, a couple of, just a couple of gags that I remember enjoying, I, this is kind of all over the place, but the movie itself is just like, you know, here's these episodes and then the ending. Um, I liked in the first girl's house, I liked the bit where she's at the, he's, he is like the time lapse of him crawling up the wall where it's clearly taking him hours <laughs> to go like an inch or two. That's funny. <laughs> and then um, when you see the girl at the dinner table with her parents and she's talking so much that not only are they bored to tears, but they're watching Titanic on the tv and uh <laughs> leo and kate are both so bored that like he drops kate into the ocean like um that's a funny bit i like in the that when he goes home with the overprotected kid with the drone i like yeah. that i like the drone sitting there in the bathrobe and like watching him outside like where he almost looks like a human being like um 
And the dog and the dog dressed like a spaceman, like looking at Leo and Leo being like, what? Um, <laughs> that was that was really cute and clever and funny. Um, yeah. And then again, like the like the idea. So so I, I initially thought the the girl who has like the rich family who uh, has the big party thrown for her that goes crazy. I initially thought that dad was John Lovitz, but it's not. Jason um, Alexander. Jason Alexander, which interesting because he's not a Sandler Squad member, but John Lovitz. No, you think it would be Lovitz, like like it was supposed to be Lovitz. I mean, it looks like the, the character model looks like Lovitz, um, <laughs> and so. Um, but again, I kind of appreciated that, like, uh, like I don't know, I I truly truly do not care to do like much psychoanalyzing on this podcast, but like it's like. I don't know, like one wonders if like, you know, like as rich as Adam Sandler is, if he ever told his like his his family, like, hey, like we're lucky, but like we're not that fucking special. Like, don't like don't act like, you know, you're better than anybody else because of whatever, because like, I don't know, like, again, that's such a specific point to make, mm -hmm. um, you know, to a family of a certain income bracket. Oh, they're just like, oh, like your dad's like like your dad thinks he's tough. He's hot stuff, but like, he, he's really not like none of y'all are like, you're not any different than anyone else. So it's like, Oh yeah. Like for that lesson to sink in, um, is very interesting. Um, let's see. What are the, yeah. Like, I, I mean, I mean, kind of like the movie is like a very, like if I had kids, I would happily watch this with my kids. Like I mentioned, I don't love the songs. Um, but otherwise like, it's not, it's not the most memorable. Like, it's not like, there's not a ton of like, as much as I enjoyed the movie, it's not, it's not in any danger of unseating Bat Mitzvah or Murder Mystery 2 for me in terms of my like. No, but it's like, it's charming. And I think I'll, I'll talk about Smigel for, for a second. Like I, what I appreciate about, you know, like th thinking about Leo as a Smigel project and and then also making connections to the week of, I think he is particularly strong at connecting the like bizarre and silly with the heartfelt, um, like in a way that feels unique to him. And I can't quite articulate it or like, or like quantify it, but you know, I think about, I think about the week of, which has, for my money, one of like the most devastating and gorgeous bits of Sandler acting towards the end when he just kind of breaks down in front of his daughter, like in tears, because the wedding and reception was kind of a disaster and, and it wasn't good enough. Like that moment and how devastating it is. And this exists in the same movie where Chris Rock is like massaging grandpa's like, like no. stumps or whatever. So the fact that those moments coexist in the same movie. And like over here, you have like some, you know, kind of like sensitive, empathetic insights into, into what it's like to be a kid today with, you know, with uh, like feral kindergartners throwing Cinnabon the bunny up into the air. Like, like, and so like, like he is able to juggle absurd and silly with, with heartfelt in a way that I look forward to. Well, well and, and, and speaking to that point right there, uh, and you, you mentioned them just now, um, I'm glad you did. Um, one of the bits, as a fan of animation and the medium of animation, one of the things I really enjoyed in the movie was the depiction of the kindergartners when you see them. Yes. They are not photorealistic in any way. They are depicted as like comic strip Monsters. kids. 
It's like the little, little yeah. gremlin-esque monsters. They're like they're like little Miyazaki guys. Like they're like little. <laughs> they're like like they're like they're like little freaks. And so the so the substitute teacher is like is that like doing the dustbuster thing, and she keeps dustbusting the the kindergartners off of the fifth graders as they walk, <laughs> um, which is so funny. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it, yeah, I, I loved that. Um, I, again, I really liked. Uh, I think that I do think the animation by and large looks really, really good. Um, yeah. Just in general, I think it's got the 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 a good like balance of like the quasi realism and like the cartoony fluidity of of a cartoon. Um, I um, I'm remembering. I'm trying to think. Okay, there, and there's also the kid who speaks the one way in front of his classmates and then it's like oh hey like you sound like the weekend like you should sing like the weekend um that was good um oh oh and and here's genuinely not that i got a ton of massive laughs out of the movie but like genuinely the thing that made me laugh every single time was leo's scared reaction where he freezes <laughs> up and he's like who did that and it's probably the, the best moment is when he does it when he gets dropped off by the substitute teacher at the Everglades and he sees the game he's like what the? and then like you just cut to him like hours later and he's still in that same position um that was great mm -hmm. it's a like it's like it's a very quick and like and like very big <laughs> thing that you could just mind like like i never tired in hubie halloween of like the quick vomit gags uh, <laughs> this uh this this gave me a similar chuckle in this one yeah. um i i mentioned this earlier wilson when you when you had to step away but um jackie sandler voices one of the one of the moms of the students Jada's? i believe yeah, so I so I believe that's the mom who's always like taking selfies. I think. And she 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 looks like Jackie. Yeah. Like the animation looks like Jackie. And I and you know, and I'm sure that was intentional. In any case, I thought it was a charming touch. Continuing the continuing the tradition from a crazy nights where Jackie is in the movie and uh, uh you know, Hotel Hotel Transylvania one at least, where like she's the dead mother of Selena Selena Gomez. And it's like, oh right. Well, you know, like you have her in these things. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I also, at the end, and this kind of came out of nowhere, and I don't mean to get too real about anything, but um, the very end of the movie, uh, the substitute teacher reads from Charlotte's Web. Mm -hmm. And I, okay, so a few things. One, you know, I've mentioned, uh, I think I've mentioned all these things on this podcast before. Um, but like I am a vegan, I am a I, I'm currently an employee of a bookstore, and uh, oh I haven't mentioned this because we haven't recorded, but I recently lost my good pal, my dog Chewbacca, and Charlotte's Web has forever been one of the saddest movie book doesn't matter description, <laughs> one of the saddest things ever, and so I got a huge laugh at the end of the movie when the teacher is reading the end of Charlotte's web and they are crying like Squirtle and Leo are crying. And Leo makes that remark about like, I wish I'd gotten some of those spider babies and, and Bill Burr's just like, you don't get any of the spider babies. Like, <laughs> that was great. I totally felt that. 
Um, if you have not read or seen Charlotte's Web in any form or fashion, uh, it's the ending is it will make you cry if you have a soul. Um, and I'm and I just appreciate Leo acknowledging that in 2023 because it's it's real, it's out there in the world. Um, <laughs> what do you guys think about Charlotte's Web? You know, I I've never read the book. I weirdly missed it as a kid, but you know the the film from the 70s. I want to say. Like yeah. the original animated film was a staple growing up. I missed the Dakota Fanning uh, I version. I've seen that either, actually. And I'm curious about it because Dakota Fanning is Fern. That sounds cute. Julia Roberts voicing Charlotte. That sounds cool. But best of all, I know that Steve Buscemi voices Templeton the Rat. The and rat. that sounds like such quintessentially perfect like voice casting that I've always wanted to see it just for that reason. I feel as though when I think about the seventies version in my head, I feel like I'm hearing Steve Buscemi as Templeton the rest. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's a, that's a brilliant movie. I'm sorry. It's a brilliant story. Um, I haven't seen the, the old film in, in a very long time, so I won't call it brilliant. Mm -hmm. Anyways, I thought it was a great gag that they ended on Charlotte's web and it was like, and it made them all cry. Um, <laughs> that was pretty special. There's a lot of like mean to call out stuff in this that I, I keep wanting to say the movies for because I, I, I was watching earlier. My girlfriend came in and was like, what is this like kids movie? This seems kind of dumb. Uh, but <laughs> it's not like a kids movie. It's like a it's like a family movie. Like yeah. we're not yeah. towards just kids because like Charlotte's Web. Yeah, I guess kids have read it. But like the Titanic thing, like that's like the adult, you know, a lot of animated films do this. I'm just saying this one is of that level that's like, ah, eh, there's like jokes in there that are for everybody. Like there's a shape of water joke in this that's like Right, yes. One five-year-old will be like, oh yeah, that's funny. I, I also I also have to say, I don't know why I just thought about this, but I I don't think I like I didn't find any of the songs memorable, but in terms of the emotions of the story, I I appreciated the song where they were all remembering different points of their lives like different years of their lives before they were in fifth grade like up to and including like when they were like babies oh, um, wow. i did think that was kind of effective in an emotional way um there's so much we still haven't mentioned like like the the kid thinking about that song like the the, the bully kid who leo goes home with this is a funny bit where the, the he goes home with the kid and tells the kid, the kid admits that like, oh, like I got held back and I feel insecure, but also I don't know where babies come from. And Leo <laughs> describes it the way of like, the way birds have babies or the way, you uh -huh. know, like a lizard would have a baby. And he used, in this kid's film, he uses the word cloaca, which I know is not a dirty word, but like in the context of all of it, I was just like, he said cloaca, <laughs> like that's weird. Um, um, but and so I thought it was funny later when like the the real the, the actual teacher who had to leave for being pregnant when she comes back and she's like oh I have my baby and the and the kid the dumb kid is like oh like she must have failed to bury the rest of her eggs in the sand or whatever <laughs> like, okay, that's a pretty good bet um, yeah. yeah I just I just appreciate the like the premise here of of this iguana like essentially living. A very like yeah like lethargic boring life of a confined person but with 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 like not much to show for it aside from like this begrudging 
like piercing insight into child psychology. Like that's a good, like that's a good premise. Like there's a lot of like, like there's a lot of potential there for all types of like avenues that the movie, you know, explores a good, like a good, a good chunk of them. I, lo- I love the bit. I love the the joke about the blinking. Like every time they're just like, he's just like, I get exercise. Like what? I blink. Like, <laughs> he's it's like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> awesome. What's up? Oh yeah. I, I was going to say, I mean, the same thing about the premise of this, like the, the whole origin of it, like of him basically just being like, I'm 74. I'm dying next year. Kind of a dark thing to introduce in a kid's mm-hmm. where it's like, Basically, yep, death is imminent, and this in your lead character in this is going to die by the end. Uh, I, I, I yeah, say, this movie. Yeah, oh, go ahead. Like, it's it's about reckoning with mortality and trying to find like your own meaning and like leaving a mark on the world. What does that mean? And the like, idea of like doing good for other people being like the ultimate. Right. Method is like look like i mean like it's not that you expect these movies to have bad messages but it's like that's a great message like i would want my kid to take, mm-hmm. take that away um i um i do think it's interesting because it's like both like I, I think about when i was a kid and like both charlotte's web and the similarly themed babe have very similar sort of like the main character is under the guillotine basically like it's like you are like if they do not if they do not accomplish their goal they will be dead <laughs> and it's right like, oh okay and so like I, and as a kid i don't remember thinking this is too much for me to take it was just like oh gosh so but yeah as an adult i do i definitely have that reaction of like should kids be like <laughs> absorbing this and and to and i don't think we mentioned this yet because we've been so all over the map but uh when so at the end of the film so basically leo ends up uh at, he ends up going home with all of the kids and then there's like a, the, there's that moment where all the kids learn like wait like he said he was only talking to me he's talking to you too and they kind of abandon him because in Squirtle like re, you know releases this information because he's jealous and then the substitute teacher who wants to win the she wants to get like a teaching accolade and she wants the uh, the glory of the history like decathlon thing she ends up talking with Leo and then after they do that, she drops Leo because I guess she doesn't want anyone to know that like Leo had anything to do with it. She drops Leo off at the Everglades. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, they go, they go to their, their, you know, Walt Disney world substitute place, like, at, you know, as you know, for winning the historical decathlon and they decide like, no, wait, we need to go get Leo. Um, and uh, Leo learns while talking to other iguanas in the in the Everglades he learns oh like we don't live to 75 we live to 110 like you know like you're you're a young you're a spring chicken or whatever and so Leo discovers like wait like I've got years ahead of me like this is great um and uh yeah and so that at the end of the movie plot wise uh it is uh (laughs) it is foreshadowed that they are going to be in the the class with the kindergartners um (laughs) like well at least we'll get to learn how to add or like how to do how to do math now um because they didn't know that earlier um and so yeah so that's you know that's the plot of leo and we've we've talked a lot about like the individual scenes um yeah i don't know it's it's not it's not a movie that like i feel the need of the burning need to go out and like recommend to a bunch of like non-kid having people but like 
you know, as an entry into Sandler's like kid film pantheon, it's just like, I mean, it's, it's a damn sight better than eight crazy nights. Um, and it's, you know, like, I mean, I would, I would certainly put it on the, on the, at least on the level with any of his hotel Transylvania movies. Um, I don't know if I would, you know, what those hotel Transylvania movies lack in, you know, maybe the, the, the rigor of the humor and the message they make up for with like Tartakovsky's, cartoonish direction like it's such a like, like there's such looney tunes physicality to those movies yeah like the the hotel transylvanias i say with all love are like kind of like empty calories but 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 they taste great like yeah. and they're super fun and that voice cast is just like a lot of fun to hang out with it's like it's very very fun vibes um and this one i think if you leo if you if you meet it where it is and if you allow it to, like, I think like it, you know, it has, you know, some unsus uh, some unsuspected depth to it um, yeah. as well. Oh man. I guess, that, I guess that's what passes for my final judgments. Austin, what do you, what do you feel about Leo? Um, yeah. I mean, for me, it's like, uh, I, I had a good time with it. I mean, I'm sure the thing is, you know, it's a, it's a movie that has a lot visually going on with it. So, uh, like I'm sure I could watch it again and like catch new newer different things, just like little things. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's definitely um very just innocent and like has it's not trying to really go for anything bigger than what it is. So I appreciate it for what it is. I'll probably never watch it again, but I could. I could. I, I might watch it again. I don't know. Like I, you know, I I I, I sort of Part of me thought I might rewatch it before the podcast, and I didn't. I didn't get a chance. But it's like I don't know. Like it's it's. Part of me thinks it could be forgettable, but like, dude's made fucking twenty, thirty movies or whatever. It's just like it's not like it's not like every one of them has to be an out of the park smash. But like, if I had kids, I'd be very grateful this movie existed. Yeah, um, you know, I occasionally get to hang out with my with my wonderful nephew and niece who live in Kansas. And um, it wouldn't surprise me if they've already seen this, you know, because like they're at the right age to where if there's a new animated thing on Netflix, they're probably going to have their eyes on it at some point. But I would hope to sit down with this with them and see what they thought. I, I can imagine them having, having a good old time with it. Um, as far as, so we, we've talked about the Sandler squad members in this. There's no, uh, there's no slumming love interest. Um, there is, and I'm probably forgetting it all because I didn't write it down, but there is some product placement. We got Cheetos. Uh, do y'all remember? I know there's at least a couple of other things, but the Cheetos was were the thing that I remember like the most <laughs> named on screen, um, which is somewhat unique for an, a computer animated film. Um, but um, we'll just say Cheetos. Um, <laughs> um so Cheetos, we're, we're, so like no slumming love interest. We've talked about Santa Squad. We've got Cheetos as the product placement watch. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's a fun movie. We're looking forward to Spaceman. We're looking forward to seeing wherever Sandman takes from here. Um, overall, like I, I really enjoyed this. Um, and, but mostly more than anything, I'm looking forward to being back with you guys and to uh, not letting months go by again. Like we're going to like, we're going to keep this ball rolling we're gonna watch. We're gonna review Wrong Missy real soon, uh, and we're just gonna keep. We're gonna be exploring the nooks and crannies of the uh, Happy Madison universe, uh, like it, you know, it, even greater depth. Get ready, folks. Twenty twenty. Right. 
I, I mean, like, I remember Wrong Missy being. I'm trying. I, I'm. I. I started speaking before I had like the timeline nailed down in my head. But I remember Wrong Missy. Correct me if I'm wrong. Being released early, early pandemic days. May, and, like May 2020 or June. Yeah, yeah. That's when you and I lived together, Wilson. And I remember just like us latching onto that movie like a life. Like a life, ja- you know, like jacket. It was like a, bra- uh, a brand new movie from Hollywood. This is like a brand new movie, and like, and I remember going into being like, "Ugh, this is gonna be rough," or whatever. It's fine, and just being kind of like, kind of blown away by how by how wild and 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 anarchic and and funny it is. And I so so look forward to talking to you guys about the genius that is Lauren Lapkus in that movie. I think it'll be so fun to revisit. And uh, yeah, I can think of no better way to ring in Christmas and the New Year than to revisit the wrong Missy with you fellas. Uh, I, I'll just go ahead and plant my flag before we record that episode. And I probably have said it on the podcast before, but 2020 because that's such an asterisk year for sports and entertainment and everything else in general. The fact that Lauren Lap like that is the year that Lauren Lapkus would have gotten an Oscar nomination and did not. And that is to the eternal fucking, like any other year, it still would have been to the shame of the Academy, but that year in particular, when like, what the fuck was she acting against? Like she absolutely deserved that award. I know that the person who won was the nice Korean grandma from Minori. Sorry, not sorry, but (laughs) Lauren Lapkus, please. I think she got a Razzie nom, which just is all the evidence you need of like how like, how boring and useless and bankrupt um uh <laughs> that, that whole yeah the whole organization is yeah yeah um no uh no she no she fucking rules in that movie like it's like it's genuinely it's 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 exciting for example when a big movie or when when a movie like bridesmaids comes out and it's a big hit not only is it a big hit but a performance like Melissa McCarthy's is rightfully like, you know, you know, uh, celebrated to the point of an Oscar nom. That's awesome. And I wish that happened more with big comedies. And because it has happened, I know they're fucking capable of it. Like, like I know it's, it's, it's within, it's within the realm of reality. So when you see something like laugh kiss in that movie, it's like, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah. we should save the energy for her and for the episode. But I am, but I am stoked to talk about it more. Well, Austin, any uh, any final thoughts? Any closing thoughts before we uh, hand this off to the audience? No, for me, I mean, it's just yeah, looking forward to that because uh, yeah, that was a bright, fun spot in the uh, early days of that pandemic. So looking forward to it. And then I guess after that, we move into. I think we'll do Kevin James. We might do a palate cleanser with Strange Wilderness or something, but um, yeah. I think that, um, you know, I have several co-workers who swear up and down that Paul Blart Mall Cop 1 is like a comedy masterpiece, and so I'm going to have to uh, gonna have to deal with that uh, when we when we get to that. I look forward to it. It'll be, it'll be, um, it'll be uh, exciting for me, I hope, and, and pleasurable because I, like, aside from the grown-ups, I have not seen any of James's, like, Happy Madison, like, stuff. I have not seen any of the Blarts. I haven't seen, I have not seen Zookeeper. I have not seen Here Comes the Boom. I've seen his, like, his 
co-starring with Sandler films like uh, Chuck and Larry and, of course, the great grown-ups movies. But all of these James stuffs, like, when those were being released, I was super checked out. Yeah. Um, not, I'm, like, I'm not sorry. out of, yeah, not out of, like, any distaste for James. Like, I, when I was younger, I, I watched and enjoyed King of Queens with, with, with my dad. Um, I remember being fond of the stand-up special Sweat the Small Stuff, which I feel like played on Comedy Central every day for a couple of years there. Yeah. So James is cool, um, but I, I, I never saw those movies. And so it'll be, it'll be fun. It'll be fun going into them with the proper attitude and, and, um, and perspective that I've, that I've you know, grown and expanded upon with you, with you boys, as we've gone gone on this journey, so I'm I am excited. Hell yeah! Well, I cannot wait. Meme, meme fans out there, we are going to be covering Kevin James very soon. It's going to be glorious. I can't wait. Um, but I think that does it for an episode on Leo. Um, you know, we we all enjoyed this movie. Um, we're looking forward to discussing more great. The next time Sandler releases a movie, we'll be there day one with bells on for Spaceman. Um, you know, it's a good time. Twenty twenty three. You know, I hope all of you out there, you know, have are enjoying like a pleasant end of the year, you know, holiday season with your loved ones. It's been a good year for uh, overall, I think, the Billy Gilmore podcast. And it's been a good year for uh, the Adam Sandler filmography in general. So we're very grateful to any of y'all out there listening to us. Uh, it means the world. Um, so, yeah, uh, I guess uh, without further ado, uh, this has been the Billy Gilmore show. I am Wilson Smith. I'm Chris Giles. And Austin Colton. And we will see you next time for a very special episode about The Wrong Missy. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs>